Good morning. We are glad to have you here on the first Sunday of our three morning worship services. We're excited that we are uh, gathered back together. And, you know, when you do something special like this, people come from all over to join us. We actually have Craig and Shelly Schaefer and their family with us today, so we're glad to have them back. They get the award for coming the farthest. Uh, so, no, but we are glad to have everyone with us. If you happen to be visiting with us uh, for the first time, we extend a special welcome to you. Uh, and we are glad that you have joined us this morning. It is heading into the fall season. And uh, we, the leadership, want to just be encouraging you to be praying for us as we're uh, trying to make decisions on how we're going to roll out some of our uh, fall ministries, like Awana and small groups uh, and those kinds of things. So be praying for us as we try to decide the form and function of those things uh, as we move forward. And uh, just wanted to also make an announcement that our traditional Labor Day service that we have in the city park, uh, we've decided that this year we're just going to bring it here uh, because when, when we've had bad weather the last couple years, we oftentimes end up moving it here. And trying to move here at the last minute would be quite a challenge. So uh, we know we can worship the Lord together in this beautiful building that he's provided for us. So we're just going to be here uh, on Labor Day weekend. So we'll be paying attention to that. Uh, but then we also have an exciting uh, announcement that on September 13th, the week following Labor Day, we're going to be celebrating the Lord's Supper together again. Uh, it's been something that we've been praying about and thinking about, and the way that's going to look is the deacons are going to be wearing masks and gloves, and they're going to just be able to go throughout the auditorium since there's uh, distance and just individually hand out uh, the bread and the cup together so that we can celebrate communion uh, in a Lord's Supper together. So we're excited about that uh, opportunity, uh, and we wanted you to be aware of that. I don't think we have anything else to announce this morning, so I will uh, open us in prayer, and then we will begin our service together. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for who you are. We recognize this morning that you are the sovereign creator and ruler over all things. You are a God in whom we can trust. You are a God that we can depend on. And Father, we just ask that you would lead, guide, and direct us here this morning and as a church. Father, as we uh, are considering the ministries of Awana and small groups and discipling others and life-on-life and, and -life discipleship, Father, give us wisdom and discernment to how we can be most effective for that. Father, we thank you for the call to be salt and light in our community and in this world. And Father, we just ask that, uh, that you would help us to be effective communicators of the gospel in the environment that we're in right now in the United States. Father, now we, we think as well of our service here together. We thank you for the, the book of John and how you have been teaching and instructing us through it. Father, we, we thank you that Jesus is who he claims to be. He is God in the flesh that he is the healer, that he is, he is the savior of the world, the one who came to live a perfect life and die on the cross for our sins so that we might be forgiven. Lord, we thank you for that, and we pray that as we worship you this morning that you would be honored and glorified by all that we say and do, and that our lives would be changed by the gospel. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Good morning. Would you rise to your feet as we begin singing this morning, standing on the promises of God. promises of Christ my King, through eternal ages let his praises ring, glory in the highest I will shout and sing, standing on the promises of God, standing, standing, standing on the promises of God my Savior, standing, standing. I'm standing on the promises of God. Standing on the promises that cannot fail, when the howling storms of doubt and fear ascend, by the living word of God I shall prevail. Standing on the promises of God. Standing Standing on the promises of God, my Savior, standing, standing. 
standing on the promises of God. Standing on the promises of Christ the Lord, bound to Him eternally by love's strong cord, overcoming daily with the Spirit's sword, standing on the promises of God. Standing, standing, standing on the promises of God, my Savior, standing, standing, I'm standing on the promises of God. Standing on the promises I cannot fall. Listening every moment to the Spirit's call, resting in my Savior as my all in all, standing on the promises of God, standing, standing, standing on the promises of God, my Savior, standing, standing, I'm standing on the promises of God. You're the Word of God, the Father. From before the world began, every star and every planet has been fashioned by your hand. All creation holds together by the power of your voice. Let the skies declare your glory, let the lamb and seas rejoice. You're the author of creation, you're the Lord of every man, and your cry of love rings out across the land. Yet you left the gaze of angels, came to seek and save the lost, and exchange the joy of heaven for the anguish of the cross. With a prayer you fed the hungry, with a word you calmed the sea. Yet how silently you suffered that the guilty may go free. You're the author of creation. You're the Lord of every man, and your cry of love brings out across the land. With a shout you rose victorious, wrestling victory from the grave, and ascended
the mystery of the cross I cannot comprehend. The agonies of Calvary. You, the perfect Holy One, crossed your Son, who drank the bitter cup reserved for me. As we come together today in prayer, will you join me in exalting Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith? Let us pray. Dear Lord, your word instructs us. In the Psalms, it says, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. Let them praise your great and awesome name. He is holy. Let them exalt him in the assembly of the people and praise him in the council of the elders. You are my God and I will give you thanks. You are my God and I will exalt you. Let us go to his dwelling place. Let us worship at his footstool. 
O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker. O Lord Jesus, you are worthy of our worship today. May we gaze upon you. May we fix our eyes on you, set our minds and our hearts on things above. Take our anxious thoughts. Take our concerns about the things that we have no control over and quiet our hearts so that we can direct our thoughts to you. Lord, you are sovereign. You raise up rulers and governments and you bring them down. Even in the midst of a pandemic, you are working out your plan. May we be diligent to seek you, to cry out to you. May we hunger and thirst for you as the deer pants for streams of water. So my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Lord, as we take our focus off of ourselves, as we focus on your word, instruct us today. As Pastor Tim explains your truth from the Gospel of John, may you speak to our hearts. Give us ears to hear and a will to obey your word. We thank you that because of Jesus, we have eternal life. Your word says, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, but has crossed over from death to life. Oh, Lord, we thank you. We thank you for your tenacious love that pursued us. When we were your enemies, we can now rejoice in the life we have in Christ eternally. Oh, Lord, bless the remainder of our time as your word is proclaimed. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much, Jim. I appreciate it. Well, if you are here this morning or if you're watching online this morning, I know we have many people watching us by live stream. I invite you to take your Bible and turn with me to the Gospel of John, John chapter 5. And we'll be looking this morning at verses 19 through 24. I am preaching through the Gospel of John, and this is where we find ourselves this morning. John chapter 5 and verses 19 through 24. And this is what we read. So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, that the Son does likewise. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all that he himself is doing. And greater works than these will he show him so that you may marvel. For as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, so also the Son gives life to, those to whom he will. For the Father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the Son, that all may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. Whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. Truly, truly, I say to you, Whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. If you have not been with us, where we are at is that Jesus is in this intense conversation, even debate, a com combative conversation with the Jewish religious leaders they're only identified as the Jews, but I think we can safely assume they are probably the scribes, the Pharisees, and the teachers of the law or representatives of those groups. And they are having this discussion with Jesus as Jesus tells them about the relationship between God the Father and God the Son. And that brings us to our first point this morning, the mysterious wonder of the Trinity. Jesus boldly and emphatically proclaims that he is one with God the Father. Now, if you haven't been with us, let me kind of give you the background and context here. As chapter 5 opens, there is a scene, 
and the scene drives everything else that is said in the rest of the chapter. What happens at the beginning of chapter 5 is Jesus goes to a pool called Bethesda. And there he heals a man who had been an invalid, severely crippled for 38 years. He tells him to get up, take his bed, and walk. And this man, who had been an invalid for 38 years, is immediately and instantaneously healed. He goes from being an invalid, a cripple for 38 years, to becoming a healthy man in a moment of time. It is a great miracle. A great miracle. But the Jewish leaders come to Jesus and they are angry with him. And they are angry with him because he has dared to do this miracle on the Sabbath. As we saw last week, as God intended the Sabbath, it is a beautiful thing, a wonderful thing. But they had taken the Sabbath and they had added to it all kinds of man-made rules and regulations. It had become extremely legalistic. And one of the rules and regulations that they had is no one on the Sabbath day could carry any object from one place to another. Now that is nowhere found in the Bible. It is nowhere found in the law of Moses. But they held to this so strongly that they couldn't even rejoice that this man who had suffered for so long had been healed. They couldn't even praise God for this great healing. And Jesus said to them, My father is working until now, and I am working. And what he was saying to them is, My father does good all of the time. God never takes a day off. Even on the Sabbath day, God is about doing good. Did you know every single day, as I mentioned last week, God is sustaining the universe. Every single day, God is sustaining you, every breath you have. The life you live every single day is a gift of the grace of God. Every single day, God is convicting people of his salvation and of their need for a Savior. God is always about doing good. Every single day, God is protecting you and watching over in ways that you don't even understand, in ways that you aren't even aware of. But when he said that, when he said, my father is working until now and I am working, he was proclaiming himself to be God. And those Jewish leaders, to their credit, even though what they were saying and doing was wrong, to their credit, they understood exactly what Jesus was saying. And in verse 18, which we looked at last week, it says this was why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him, to kill him because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God, his own father, making himself equal with God, and he was. That is exactly what Jesus is doing here. He is saying that he is equal with God. And that brings us to our text this morning. In verse 19 we read, So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, that the Son does likewise. Now he begins with a phrase that we have seen earlier in the Gospel of John, and we actually see in all four Gospels. He says, truly, truly, I say to you. And when you see that phrase, Jesus is saying, pay attention. Listen very carefully to what I am about to tell you. And he says, the son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the father doing. For whatever the father does, whatever the father does, that the son does likewise. Jesus is saying that God the Father and God the Son always work in perfect harmony. They are always in perfect synchronization. They are always in perfect unity. They are always in perfection in one accord. And in a sense, this is a description of the Trinity as a whole. The Trinity is always working together in perfect unity and in perfect harmony, but he is talking specifically here about his relationship with his Father, God the Father and God the Son. 
If you recall, in John chapter 14, Jesus is in the upper room with his disciples shortly before he dies. He is instructing them before he goes to the cross. And Philip, one of his disciples, says to him, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. Lord, just show us God the Father, and that will be enough for us. And what did Jesus say? Jesus says, Philip, have you been with me so long, and still you do not know me? If you have seen me, you have seen the Father. Wow. Jesus says to his disciples, if you have seen me, you have seen God the Father. That is exactly what he is saying in verse 19. And then in verse 20 it says, For the Father loves the Son and shows him all that he himself is doing. And greater works than these will he show him so that you may marvel. Oh, my Father loves me. And he shows me all that he is doing. And if you think, then instantaneously and immediately healing an invalid who had been crippled for 38 years, if you think that's a great miracle, you just wait. I'm going to show you even greater works than that. And you will marvel. You will marvel at what I do. Now, what are these greater works that Jesus is talking about? Well, we don't even have to guess because it's, explained to us right in the text itself. The greater works that Jesus will do are raising the dead and giving them life and being the supreme judge of all human beings. In verse 21 it says, Jesus says, for as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, so also the Son gives life to whom he will. When he says, the Father raises the dead and gives them life. He's talking about spiritual death and spiritual life. It's Ephesians chapter 2. We were dead in our trespasses and sins, but we became alive in Christ. And so also the Son gives life to whom he will. Jesus is saying that he is the source and object of eternal life. That is really, or excuse me, that is the title of this message. Jesus Christ, the source of eternal life. He is eternal life. You cannot have eternal life apart from Christ. The Father gives life and so does the Son give life. In fact, he is the focus of eternal life. Well, then in verse 22, he says to them, not only am I the source of eternal life, but he says, for the Father judges no one but has given all judgment to the Son. I want you to know that the Father gives life and I give life, but the Father has given me all judgment. Did you know that at the end of time, the person who is going to judge all the living and the dead is Jesus Christ, the second person of the Trinity? When we come to Revelation chapter 20 in the great white throne judgment where all the unsaved dead from every era of human existence are going to come before the great white throne and they are going to be judged. And then they are going to be condemned to the lake of fire. Do you know who will be sitting on the throne of the great white throne? It is Jesus. It is Jesus. Yes, Jesus is gentle and he is loving and he is kind, but he is also perfectly just and holy and righteous. And at the end of time, it will be Jesus who sits on the throne to judge. In Acts chapter 17 and verse 31, it says this of God, for he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. He has given proof of this to all men by raising him from the dead. The Father, God the Father has set a day when he will judge all of the world in perfect, holy justice. And he's going to do it by the man he appointed. It's the one he raised from the dead. It is Jesus Christ who is going to be the judge of all. Now, I know this morning as we talk about the Trinity and the relationship of the Father and the Son and the Spirit, and especially the Father and the Son, we're in some deep waters this morning. We are in some deep theological waters, but they are beautiful waters. They are wonderful waters. They really are. As we think about what the Apostle John was inspired by the Holy Spirit to present to us. I want to share something with you. It's a little bit technical, a little bit theolo theological, but I, I'm hoping it will help, help you. 
in theology, we think of the Trinity, we can think of it in a, a number of different ways. For example, the traditional biblical way that we think of the Trinity is called the ontological Trinity, is the makeup of the Trinity. We say God is one God in three persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And that is the Trinity, three distinct persons, but one God, one completely unified God. There is another way that in theology we think of the Trinity, and it is called the economic Trinity, or the economy of God in the way that the Trinity relates to one another in the outworking of the Trinity. Again, it is one God in three persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. However, within the outworking of the Trinity, they work in perfect harmony, but in some cases, they have distinct roles and responsibility. That is called the economic trinity, how it works out in the economy of God. For example, it is God the Father who planned our salvation and sent his Son into the world. It is God the Son who accomplishes our salvation through his death and resurrection. It is God the Holy Spirit who convicts us of our sin and takes the accomplished work of Jesus and applies it to the life of the person who believes in him. That is the economic trinity. Now, the reason I bring that up is because we have an example of it right here. The Father and the Son work in perfect harmony, but one of the distinct roles that the Son has is that he is the judge. He will be the one at the end of time who will judge the living and the dead. So, I want you to think of how powerful this is. The Father and the Son are in perfect harmony, perfect unity. The Father raises the dead and gives life to them, so also the Son gives life to whom he will. It is the Son who is going to judge the living and the dead. So as we have that in mind, we come to verse 23. Here's the result of that. Verse 23, that all may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. Whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. It is so important for us to understand this morning as a church family that if you want the Father, you have to have the Son. You can't have the Father without the Son. They always, always, always go together. Okay? So if you want to believe in the Father, you have to believe in the Son. Now this flies in the face of what is historically known as religious pluralism. Religious pluralism is the belief that we all serve the same God, doesn't matter. If you're a Christian, if you're a Hindu, if you're a Buddhist, if you're a Muslim, we all, in the end, end up serving the same God. And all religions ultimately lead to heaven, all paths lead to heaven. And I know you know this, but we need to be reminded again, that is absolutely false teaching and it comes from the pit of hell. It is not true. It is not true. You cannot have God the Father without God the Son. So if someone says to you, I believe in God, I just don't believe in Jesus, they don't believe in God. If someone says to you, I believe in God, I just don't believe Jesus is God, then they really don't believe in God. They can say whatever they want with their mouths. They really don't believe in God. John Piper has a test, a test that he uses with people. And this is for those who say, I believe in God. He says this, do they honor Jesus for who he really is as the divine son of God, the Messiah, the crucified and risen savior of the world, the Lord of the universe and judge of all human beings? If they don't, then they don't honor God. We could say it this way. Do they believe in Jesus for who he really is? If they don't, then they don't really believe in God. doesn't matter what they say. So we are given this grand, huge picture of who Jesus is in complete harmony with the Father, the source and object of eternal life, the one who will judge the living and the dead. You can't even believe in the Father without believing 
in Jesus. And that brings us to our second point this morning, and that is the gospel. In verse 24, we have one of the great summations of the gospel found in the New Testament. Every once in a while in the New Testament, you will see a verse or a couple of verses that just perfectly summarize the gospel. It just succinctly says what the gospel is, and verse 24 is one of those verses. Again, having in mind all we've learned so far this morning, Jesus says in verse 24, Truly, truly, I say to you, there it is again, pay attention, listen carefully to what I'm about to say. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. This is four parts. Let's look at them each separately. First of all, Jesus says, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me, you must hear the gospel. That's Jesus' word, that he will die and will rise again to accomplish our salvation and become the source of eternal life. Whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me, whoever believes that I am from God and I am God, that person, part two, has eternal life, everlasting life, complete forgiveness of sin, in a right relationship with God the Father. Part three, that person does not come into judgment. He will not face me. He or she will not face me as the judge at the great white throne. They will not come into judgment. They will not be condemned. They will not be eternally consigned to hell, ultimately the lake of fire. They will not. They will not if they hear my word and believe him who sent me. And then part four, but he has passed from death to life. You will literally pass from spiritual death to spiritual life and ultimately from physical death to physical life. Now, I realize that some of you here this morning may have memorized long ago John 5.24. If you have, wonderful. If you haven't, it's a great verse to memorize. So maybe you've heard this before, but I just want to bring it up again. This verse tells us that we not only have eternal life, but we have it right now. Not only will we have eternal life, but we have it right now. We tend to think of eternal life as something that happens after we die, but it's really not. He says, whoever hears my word and believes who sent me has, present tense, right now, eternal life. Did you know that if you know Jesus as Savior, you have eternal life right now? Right now. You're already on your way to living forever. When you die, you'll just experience the reality of it. You'll walk out of this world into another world, but you already have eternal life right now. And not only that, but it says that we've already passed from death to life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed, present tense. He has passed from death to life right now. You've already passed from death to life. Already, right now, if you know him as Savior, you have already passed from death to life. Again, when you die, you will simply experience the reality of it. And I say that to you because you need to know who you are. Your identity in Christ is everything to you in living out the Christian life day by day. You need to know if you know Christ as your Savior this morning, you already have eternal life. You have already passed from death to life. And that is meant to give you great peace. It is also meant to give you great courage and boldness because no one can take it from you. No one can ever, ever take it away from you. You are assured to be with Christ someday, to be with the Father someday. Well, I want to try to bring this all together this morning. And I want you to think carefully about what Jesus is saying to the Jewish leaders, because it is astounding. I want you with your imaginations to try to picture with me that Jesus has healed this invalid, this great miracle has taken place. And then he gets in this intense debate with the Jewish religious leaders. And so he tells them who he is. He is saying, man, I want you to know who you're talking to. I want you to know on this day 
why I heal on the Sabbath. And I want you to know who you are talking to. I want you to know that you are talking to God in the flesh. I want you to know that right now you are talking to the Lord of the Sabbath. I want you to know that right now you are talking to the supreme judge before whom you will someday stand in judgment. I want you to know that right now you are talking to the one who is the source of eternal life. I want you to know that if you don't honor me, you don't honor the Father. That's who I am. Don't let anyone ever, ever tell you that Jesus never claimed to be God. Take them to John chapter 5, verses 19 through 24. He absolutely is claiming to be God in all the fullness of who God is and in all the authority that God has. Let each one of us take very seriously this morning Whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. And no one ever, ever, comes to the Father, except through me. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much for this deep, rich passage of Scripture. We thank you for the beauty and wonder and mystery of the Trinity and how you minister to us, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. We thank you for Jesus the source and object of eternal life, the one who will judge the living and dead, that if we believe in him, that if we believe in him, we have right now eternal life and we have already passed from death to life. Oh, may it cause us to praise our Savior with our entire being, for we ask this in his name. Amen. Let's stand together and sing as we close.
missed.